Good day. I'm Mark Sylvester, your host for this Hacking the Red Circle conversation, where we talk to people in the TEDx world you'll want to know better. The show is designed to learn what it takes to produce, organize, promote, and create a world-class event. If you're an experienced organizer, you'll get some great tips. Veteran organizers share lessons they've learned so that first-timers can avoid common missteps. There are hundreds of amazing people in the TEDx universe, and we talk to a lot of them. If this is your first time to the show, welcome. We produce Hacking the Red Circle every week. You'll want to subscribe so you don't miss any upcoming episodes. Now, on with the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the show. I, um, As you know, my favorite thing in the world, traveling around the world from my desk. And today I am going to India and we have with us Masarat Daud and she is from uh, TEDx Shekhavati. And uh, Masarat, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. And you did get it quite right. <laughs> I, what are the thing? I, I think names are so important names of people and names of places. And, uh, this show yeah. definitely is testing my pronunciation skills. <laughs> I can imagine. I, I was, uh, Throughout my high school, actually, most of my friends used to just call me MD because it was easiest to say that. Um, and I went with it until I realized by the end of high school that um, there were many people who didn't even know that my name was Masrat. And uh, so I made it a conscious um, thing from university days to make sure that I am be, I'm now known as Masrat as opposed to MD. So, I love yeah, that. I hear you. Well, Masrat, welcome yeah. to the show. Now, you're we're we're talking to you from London, but your event is in India. And then I read online that you spend a lot of time in Dubai. So, are you one of those people yes. who lives all over the world? Yeah, I think I've become that person. I actually grew up uh, in Dubai. My family is from Rajasthan in India, and uh, we moved to Dubai when I was about a year old. And um, I've been in London the last seven years. I moved here after I got married. So um, I'm kind of split between um, London, Dubai, and Rajasthan. I, um, and it's one of those, imagine now being in one place. I think the idea of it is just uh, very scary. Oh. <laughs> well, I, I love that, uh, that nomadic lifestyle. You know, I um, you came on my radar when... You had posted, I believe, on the Facebook TEDx organizer group, and you mm -hmm. did this video because, let's see if I get this right, there were 7,000 attendees, is that right? Yes, yes. And I, I, I was just blown away when I looked at that video. The video was so well done. You, you captured the feeling of the people. Uh, what what I what's interesting? I'm an improver, and so we when we study improv comedy, it's it's never about the thing; it's always about the emotions and how we feel about the thing. And your video conveyed the feelings of the attendees uh, as much as they did the TEDx. That was so well done. Congratulations! Thank you very much. I actually look at, and I'm sure you know, a lot of TEDx organizers can can relate to this, and. For me, TEDx Shekhavati is just beyond, you know, a TEDx event, beyond uh, 
the sort of logistics and the speakers and all of that for me it is so much more deeper than that and um and i feel uh, when i think about um when the event that moment when it's you know telling everyone it's over thank you for coming um i don't have a child but i would assume that is the closest thing i come to in feeling childbirth and that moment because uh, and i always tell my team um that leave me alone 10 minutes after this event is over just leave me alone handle everything in your own way because i feel like i take those 10 minutes to just sit down as these thousands of people are leaving to sort of just process that that this has happened um and i wonder what people are taking away from this so everything that you know the the short video that i had produced and anything any blogs that are written it's always so much more deeper it's about the emotions of the day it is about the responsibility of what you're bringing to the community um aside from the logistics of doing a conference that that at the end of the day is why we do what we do isn't it exactly exactly so so exactly. tell me um let's just go back a little bit how long have you been involved with TED or maybe the first TED video you watched or how did it was it something from university or how did that happen So um I was actually introduced to TED by James Spikeaway who was one of the first licensees of TEDx Dubai and I spoke at the first TEDx Dubai in 2009 and um it was about this grassroots education um project that I had started and i remember being in that room with um a thousand people and thinking you know if i can bring this into the village it's 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 a crazy idea um uh, you know it's a place where they don't care for ted as a brand because they don't know anything about it right. uh but what happened and so we did the first the first tedx shekhawati was in january 2010 and that was uh Uh, a a huge story in itself but we had 1200 people who came uh for the first event now that so if i'm thinking right 2009 was when we had the very first batch of tedxs and dubai was one of one of the first um yeah. so you're with well within the first 100 um because i know we were here in santa barbara and we were in november of that year There was yeah. not a lot known about how to do a TEDx, much less how to do a TEDx yeah. for 1200 people. What what resources were you able to pull on to figure out how to do it? Yeah, it was um I mean, I think TEDx Shekhawati was definitely the first event in Rajasthan, but also one of the first TEDx events in India as a whole and uh I feel the Indian TEDx community even as we speak is still growing still understanding still coming to terms with you know what a, what a TEDx event is and how do you go about organizing it when I started doing the first event it was um it it was really so it was really interesting because actually I had planned for a 300 people event mm. and uh, the and I thought I can go into this local village and uh, I can get the local school to give me a space to host these 300 people and um about a week before and I had spent about 4 months working on this and about a week before I started running into problems where 
there was resistance in few men in the community thinking this is something that is radical this is something that advocates education especially for girls so we don't need to have something like that in our community and these were things i think even for tedx it was completely new and at the time it was headed by um lara and salome yep. and yep. Uh, and i think we um i had to write to them i was trying to manage this and i had to write to them and say you know i've come across this problem and and what do we do um and it was such a new thing i think for everyone that uh lara at the time made a few rules flexible for us so one of the things was i wanted to do a 300 people event i don't know who's actually going to turn up it might be 10 people it might be more um we couldn't show videos ted videos at the start of the event because uh the event was outdoors because of the sunlight the projector wasn't working so there were some of these flexibilities that tedx shekhawati kind of uh, was awarded at the time and i think it was a learning lesson for me as much as it was for tedx as well and because it was actually the rules were a lot fewer at the time during right. the start right. Uh, right. so it was not as i think now for a new person it would seem slightly overwhelming you need to do a little bit more homework in how to run tedx events and i think you know for us to be part of that initial kind of cohort of tedx we really shaped it um and a lot of those changes in rules that came about you know came about because of our experiences and and the and, and the kind of um uncertainties that we dealt with so um yeah so have you done a tedx each year since Um I haven't I've so I've done three TEDx Shekhawatis I've done one um small TEDx in Bangladesh in a slum which was to test the TEDx in a box before it uh, basically it was one of the pilot TEDx events uh which then shaped TEDx in a box as well and uh, and I did a TEDx Shekhawati live which was uh, to view TED India I think that, yeah it was to watch Ted India live. Are there you said there's uh, actually I got a bunch of questions but I want to go back to this one with the men in the community and the the resistance towards um the, the very idea of Ted it sounds like. Now so that was 8 years ago. What's that like now? So my vision uh when i started that tedx event was uh rough 5 years later i'd like more girls to be going to school and one of the things i've struggled with and i and i i would say i struggle with with it even now but i don't know if that's the right way to put it is uh impact measurement and um i can't always predict and tell you what exactly the outcome is for this so at the time what i really wanted because when i would speak to people everybody would tell me well you know why do we need to send girls to school what's the point mm. and i wanted in 5 years that question to kind of almost become obsolete and these five and actually because it's such a huge uh task to and it's pretty much a one woman show until uh i do the whole thing single handedly and it's just a week before i reach on ground and then recruit a team locally ho, ho, uh, to help ho, me out with- stop 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 <laughs> one woman show you produce yes. this event for 7000 people by yourself 
Yes. Yes. Ouch. Wow. And and that, and I I think the struggle with that I mean I think everybody would think of this and think of so many difficulties that they would face. I think for me the challenge throughout when I'm doing this single-handedly is trying to get people on board to just believe in what the vision I have for this. And and I've been alone in all of this, which is why it's been a one woman show because nobody really gets it. And I'm really I feel now these eight years later that I'm starting to scratch the surface um, with this. But uh, but yeah, it's a one woman show uh, until a week before the event. How, how is it that seven thousand? How many people were last year? Let's start with that. How many people were last year? Last time we had 5,000 people. So of those 5,000 people, not one of them said, Maserat, do you need some help? How can I help? The, um, the unfortunate thing there is um, there's a huge culture of... Um, yeah, but see, this is interesting. I mean... A lot of people don't view their work almost as let's step up and help out. They look at themselves more as consumers that they haven't arrived to a point as yet where they can be part of this, um, part of developing this whole thing. I did have, especially um, there was a girl who was part of my uh, last event and, and this one as well. And she's led in creating a whole team of women and girls as part of our campaigning effort. So there have been maybe not more than two or three, to be honest with you. But um, the last event was in 2011. And there's actually been a huge change because social media has happened in the last two Mm. to three years Mm. uh, where you have uh, these bundled softwares as part of the smartphones and which means that pretty much many, many people in small villages are now on Facebook. And we use that um, heavily as part of our marketing. So I would say that next time that I do, if I do plan to do this, I think I would have more people with me on board this time. It, it was a whole grassroots campaigning that we've done a week before to not only tell people about TEDx Chekhavati and what um they can learn from there, but to actually tell them what is TED. And we mm. had to print leaflets. Mm. I've written leaflets and we had them translated in Urdu, in Hindi. Uh, we went door to door, made groups of uh, men and women and girls um, go to salons and like every house. I had my mom um, who's got both her knees replaced, but she also went door to door. So there wasn't anyone left in terms of social media and in terms of physically going to people and not just giving them a leaflet, but sitting there in their house with them and telling them, this is what TED is and this is why we're doing what we're doing. So it was so much more deeper than just sort of TED Chekhavati and come for it. But it was going back and actually telling them, why why do we care? Why does this have to be a TED event and why they need to be there? I, I'm, I'm just, I'm without words which is hard for me. Uh, I'm thinking that you didn't have any attendees than a week before, because uh, I saw pictures in the video. There are pictures of the leaflets of you handing those leaflets out. And uh, is mm-hmm. and is there any fee to attend? No. So, so this is free. the thing with rural. 
it's free you have to open the doors and whoever comes they come and and this is the thing where you can't really crowd manage because um of course you'd probably end up having riots or something and um but and and i think this is also a very stressful thing because the night before the tedx i was sitting with my father and uh, and i was telling him i said you know we've worked so damn hard but i really don't know do you think people will come tomorrow and um, and i know that he shared the same nervousness but he just told me he said you know what you've done your best and we'll see whatever happens is just you know you 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 do your work to a point and then you just have to leave it um and yeah and i think that's really the best thing to do so uh it's always shocking surprising who turns up the night before the event you don't know how many people are going to show up so i don't know how you prepare for that take take me through that so you can cuz my listener right now is freaking out cuz we're you know <laughs> you plan for things but i want to hear the story yeah so the covering that we do it's they call it the tent and um because it gets very sunny so we definitely need the whole area to be covered from the top and when i was speaking to the person who handles the tent trying to explain to him that this is how how big i want this to be and it was quite frustrating because i had to keep going there almost every day and the tent is not as big as i wanted it to be and um, and he kept telling me that these many people are not going to show up especially women are not going to turn up and um, so it was really interesting because no one actually thought many people would turn up the way i see these things is i had you know i was trying to be a little bit ambitious where when 5000 people showed up in 2011 i was actually very surprised we had people sitting on the side walls um and on like the terrace of nearby houses and when it got really crazy i was quite scared that you know there's going to be a wall that collapses or something so what i wanted to do this time was feeling a bit ambitious well if we can get 5000 at a time when people hated me um and were resistant to what i was doing then there's a lot more credibility now that because of my father and i and our consistent efforts in improving education in the villages that people would turn up so i was really trying to be ambitious and i wanted the i wanted the tent to at least take in about 5000 people and the one thing about the village is that there's a lot of uh, flexibility in these things so they were on stand by the tent guys that if i need this to be expanded a little bit more to the women side or right um on the on the men side then they were ready with like extra material to quickly put that up as well uh, but people are a lot more flexible in that so they were happy to like stand outside the tent as well uh, if there was a spillover but um, but yeah i mean to it's really just kind of looking at the previous event feeling a bit ambitious and um hoping that you know we plan this for 7000 or 8000 people and and let's see who shows up it is mad it is mad i know <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> we'll 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 just say it's mad and leave it at that uh because it's just it's insane is what it is tell me uh with all of that um and i know our organizers are just shaking their heads right now uh, as they're listening to this what was the what's the biggest surprise for you i mean there's so many unknowns i i understand that but what surprised yeah. you the most i think you know um with women who showed up and when i say number of women these are 
specifically number of Muslim women in niqab, so with their faces covered, because that's they are so much more traditionalist in the way that they don't usually even go to their own children's schools, for example, for events. And um, that was the reason why everybody kept telling me, you know, you're too ambitious, because actually the other... I mean, now that you make me think of it that way, they, um, I think there were a lot of mad elements to what I did. Um, the venue itself was a huge risk because last time the venue was kind of in the center of this village. And so it was still easy for people to get to. But there was no other space that takes up more than 5,000 people except this sort of stadium space, which is kind of on the outskirts. And that was a huge challenge because women would not travel that far to to come there. And but there was no other alternative for me. And um, so the other thing was in this venue, women have never, ever stepped foot into this venue before. So this was the first time that women came to this space and seeing those thousands and thousands of those women, it was like a sea of black, you know, wearing their burqa and niqab. And and everyone, it was, I mean, I was shocked uh, and rather pleasantly surprised, I guess. And just very, very um, almost emotional that, um, you know, everybody kept telling me that, oh, what do women have to do with ideas? Why will they come? Uh, they don't care. They only care about just being at home and cooking and so on. I had speakers who told me that we've never spoken at an event, one that huge, but even if it was any other event, but we've never seen these many Muslim women come out to an event where it was not about a politician who was coming or a movie star. It was literally an event for ideas. So that is unheard of. And, uh, and everyone, even the men who kept telling me that were shocked and everyone kept talking. That was one single point that everyone kept talking about even after the event that, wow, look at the number of women that showed up. That must make you feel very, very good as that goes to the, your prime directive, right? Which is more girls going to school and more girls talking about ideas. And as you know, we talked before we got on the air, the, the differences in culture are one of the things that I enjoy so much about the TEDx ecosystem. Mm -hmm. But this, this mission you're on, uh, is, is spectacular. I, I'd love to hear, how you go about getting speakers because because now you know the ch the challenge is so ba why would women be interested in ideas and and yeah. for many 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 of us that just seems so foreign and so given that that's the the truth that you live with how did you find the, your speakers so i've spent the last two to three years noting down people's names when i would go through my Twitter timeline or Facebook or whatever, I note down the names or send myself links to uh, anything cool that I've read or seen. And uh, these are obviously people who can speak in Hindi. And what I did when I, a few months, so about four months before the event, three to four months, I start putting all these names out. And the idea is to have six people from six different fields so the thing, so sports and education, social justice, and so on, and um, and I started looking for ideas from there, and then I tried to think of what is the best person to say something new. Actually, 
until 2011, uh, one of the things that I personally found a bit disappointing was I really couldn't push ahead or have a real TED quality talk at the event because uh, it was such a new thing over there. So a lot of the talks were more to do with people kind of saying personal stories of change. While that's great, and I know it's a format that TED go for, but I wanted something more. And uh, I was really, really happy that I could actually get very close to it this time. So, for example, introducing patriarchy to them. And that was something that almost came with a slight risk. And it was interesting because when I was speaking to people and they tell, and I asked them, I said, do you know what's patriarchy? And everyone, there was no one who said that they've even heard of patriarchy. And it was really interesting because for me, and if you look at it, the, the societal framework is patriarchy. And yet they have no awareness of this kind of social system they're in. And so I had a speaker who spoke about why is patriarchy harmful to men? So I was able to push the uh, boat a little bit out there in the, the way we were framing content. So, uh, so yeah, it's really this whole process of collecting names and then getting down to these are the six sort of categories and who are or who is the best person to speak in each? In uh, what is the message? How strongly can it be conveyed? Did you? specifically with that talk feel that there might be backlash in the audience <laughs> i did i actually uh, wanted to have him as the last speaker so we can just <laughs> run after he's done with his speech <laughs> but um, but it was um, it was really fascinating uh, so he's he was the, the the second third speaker i had a lot of people who were telling me after the event that they wanted to hear more because the speakers were given a brief of their talk should be between eight and 10 minutes because 18 just is too long for them to pay attention. And, and I think that's what I really, really wanted that it's, you know, I told all the speakers that I see their talks as seeds that once you plant that seed, I wanted people to go and start Googling new things or, or reading more about their work. And um, just on a quick side note, I do these weekly videos where I explain to them, I talk about TED Talks that I've um, heard or um, really interesting things that have happened in the news. For example, Elon Musk's um, launch, uh, rocket launch and so on. And I explain these things to them because I really can't, uh, I don't usually get a lot of time in India. So it's a way to kind of... Um, build that mindset change. And I had to spend two to three weeks explaining to them what TED is and what are TED Talks and what actually what that means. And this is also the platform I'm using to bring back these TEDx Shekhawati speakers to explaining uh, in a lot more detail what are their ideas and what is it that they're doing and how people can become part of this. So, um, yeah. So, Maserat, do you, so let me see if I get this right. You've built this community of 7,000 people, and because now all of the phones uh, have, as you said, social media apps built right on them, you're able to mm -hmm. stay in touch with these people in between the event mm -hmm. and continue to amplify the message. Did I get that right? Yes, yes, absolutely. And uh, so that's I, I love your... The metaphor, uh, when you talk to the speaker and you say, I see your talks as seeds, uh, I, I love that, and that what a garden you're growing. What would you say is um, 
the thing, I mean, you, you have superpowers to do this by yourself, but what, what is the thing that you love the most about doing TEDx Shekhavati? Wow. Um, I think definitely one, the process of uh, speaker curation. Mm. I think definitely it's a lesson for me as well. And uh, it's taught me many things. One of the things was, for example, we um, had a speaker who in his field is probably one of the best guys who I could have gotten. Um, and yet I realized in the interactions with him was he was treating it as just like, oh, I've spoken at nine TEDx events and, you know, this is going to be my 10th one. And, oh, it's a bit inconvenient because it's in a village or whatever. Um, and then I had to reach this point where, you know, it's about it's about not just a TEDx talk. It's about believing in the cause. And um, so there are a lot of lessons learned in that. So speaker curation for me is definitely very interesting. And I think I think it's the campaigning on ground that I love so much because uh, it doesn't let you sort of stray away from the purpose of why you're doing this TEDx event. It's not about any branding or the glory or any of that. It's really about people and you're creating something that's relevant to them. And it's super exciting to see when you come back, um, what are the changes? What are the questions people are asking? So I think definitely these two things. I'm I'm just imagining one of your people or you knocking on the door of a of a family and and talking to the 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 lady of the house if you will and explaining what this is all about for the first time and how that conversation goes and having to do that at least a thousand times just um I I applaud you for your your diligence. You you talked a little bit earlier about the lessons learned. What would you say is the the best advice you would have for first time organizers? I think um, in the experience I've had with uh, a lot of people who are organizing these events for the first time, I think it would definitely be to approach this organizing this entire event with a huge mm -hmm. sense of courage because just the fact that they've decided to take up the curatorship of the, an event in itself is an act of courage. And whether it's speakers or whether it's sponsors, know that you have the space to push back, know that you have the agency to, to have um, an agenda that the way you want to shape the event. So I think a lot of times they don't realize how much of it um, really lies with them to be able to say no something so i think definitely approach your event with a lot of courage that I, I i love that and i can't imagine what those conversations were like i'm just thinking of the the courage you had to talk to the 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 men in the village um so you you took a few years off what's what is your thinking for your next event well so i don't know if this is spoken about enough the reason i did actually take off or not do a TEDx event the last few years actually was um, I had reached a point where I was questioning is is this TEDx event about me is this about a really wonderful story or am I trapped in my own narrative of like oh this is this there was opposition and but then this has happened and thousands of people showed up and so on and I wasn't sure anymore how do I measure impact how do I know that there's actually real change happening. So I was, a, I think I was, I was slightly in this phase where I was a bit disillusioned in, um, you know, 
you know, do people just turn up, walk out and say, I'm inspired, but do nothing with it. And after these three, four years, after a, quite a big gap, actually, when I was, when I had gone back to the village last year, I was very surprised because um, I was walking around the streets and I had so many people who came and asked me, when is the next TED? When is the mm. next TED? Mm. Um, I was a bit surprised, but then um, I was at this event where we, I was launching a community center in the village and uh, there were people who spoke at the event who were quoting talks from 2011. And uh, and this is, you know, sort of a, a society where it's they're not huge YouTube consumers in the sense that they would have gone back and seen those talks a million times by now. And um, that to me was fascinating because, I mean, when they were quoting these talks, even I didn't remember those exact lines that uh, that were said. And that's the moment where I realized that, you know, maybe the impact of this is is much bigger than even what I've anticipated. and maybe I shouldn't look at it from my own lens where as much as I think of them, but I also, you know, I live in a much more privileged space where we have conferences every other day and you have access to like really amazing people and spaces every other day. And maybe I, maybe I need to just look at this differently, but my lesson now is to be more consistent because I would really like the, like the TEDx events funnily enough to, to, to get smaller um, where more people get to listen to new ideas on a more consistent basis. So that's the plan. Uh, I'm not sure what the next Derek Shekhawati is going to look like, um, as always, but uh, I think that's the method uh, to its madness. I, I, I love that. I also love the people walking up to you and quoting and the the community that you've built, uh, which is just spectacular. Uh, tell me... Now, um, uh, we're going to get on, we're going to take our red carpet uh, that we have at the front of a TEDx and we're going to turn it into a magic carpet and you and I are going to fly to some TEDx around the world. Where would you like to go? Ooh, um, I think TEDx Islamabad. Uh-huh. A TEDx in Pakistan, definitely. And I love uh, what Saad Hamid is doing. And uh, yeah, so. Short answers. TEDx yeah. Islamabad. Oh, I love that. And my my last question, and, and I, I you've got to, you've got to have some good ones here, which is the best hack. And I'm not sure if hack translates well, but it's the thing that you do that doesn't cost any money, but it has a material effect on the success of the event. Uh, let people sit on the ground. You save money in hiring chairs. Oh, I love that. <laughs> oh great <laughs> I love that you know uh, uh Maserat, I I am so thrilled we get to have this conversation and that you were you know uh, very very open about the challenges that you've had and I think that the mission you are on comes across extremely clear and I think it is uh it's inspiring to me to that you have such a strong sense of what it takes to be successful. I think it came out when you talked about courage, having, I think your quote was a huge sense of courage. And I deeply appreciate that. And I appreciate you being on the show. It's going to give a lot of inspiration to a lot of other organizers. Thanks for having me, Mark. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Hacking the Red Circle. Have an idea for a guest for the show? Or would you like to tell us your TEDx story? 
just drop me a note in an email to mark at hackingtheredcircle.com. Please be sure to rate, write, and review the show on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Makes a huge difference. And share the show with your team as we seek to grow our audience around the world. Until next time, this is Mark Sylvester, your host for Hacking the Red Circle.